Hello and welcome to episode 9 of Exit the Stage Door. It's Michael Dove. Uh, I'm sorry, I totally buried the lead. It is absolutely freezing on this porch and I just turned off the heater, so I apologize if this intro doesn't make any sense because my brain is just not working. I know we're, uh, what's going on? Oh yeah, we're early. This is a week early. We are a bi-weekly podcast. What are we doing? We just dropped an episode on Christmas Eve. Why are we dropping an episode on New Year's Day? Well, I'll tell you that. It's because Michael Dove and Forum Theater are doing some incredibly cool things, and we need to make sure that this conversation gets out there in time to support the efforts that uh, Forum Theater are making. So we've got Forum Theater actually has two things. Michael Dove is the artistic director of Forum Theater, which will become completely obvious if you listen to the rest of the episode. Um, They've got two things going on. They have the continuing series, uh, Walking the City of Silence and Stone, which is this podcast, interactive, walking, tour, guided fiction thing where you get to walk the city. Uh, The first episode took you onto any sort of metro station, and the second episode took you onto the National Mall, and I am like you, completely dying for the next episode. I have no idea what's going to happen or where you're going to make me walk, and I'm stoked about it. It drops on January 5th. Very excited about that. Um, but more importantly, probably... I That's stupid. You're right. I shouldn't just say that. Anyway, also importantly is the Tea Party. The first previews of the Tea Party, this transgender experience, it's not quite what you think from the title, which is sort of vaguely a reference to a political movement, but not exactly. You should just go and see it. It was a huge hit a couple years ago when they workshopped it. They're giving it the full-on treatment. It is a show. Guys, I can't wait to see it. I'm going to make it a point to go find it and see it. The first preview is on today, January 2nd, and it runs through sometime not too long after that, so please, please, please go see it. In the meantime, uh, we're going to actually drop another episode next week, <laughs> next week, next week for you guys. It's going to be exciting. I, I recorded a bunch of stuff, and these people have timely projects that you need to hear about, so uh, we're going to drop it in a way that uh, makes those projects, uh, hopefully gives those projects a bump. And this week, it is Michael Dove and Forum Theater, The Tea Party also, uh, which you should totally go see. Uh, I'm definitely going to see it. I'm going to make sure that I don't schedule work just because those days are free doesn't mean I'm being a lazy bum. It means that I am actually being a human being for a week instead of a work machine. And during that time, I'm going to see The Tea Party, and so should you. And to prep you for that, here is my completely excellent conversation with the wonderful, uh, talented, and articulate artistic director of Forum Theater, Mr. Michael Duff. <laughs> there we go. There's the levels. Okay. We were recording, but we were recording silence. Hmm. But it's all better now. <laughs> That's okay. That was just the lead-in anyway. Um... So you talked about when you moved to D.C. When did you move to D.C.? I moved here in August of 2003. So, yeah, I graduated in in 2003, hung out at college for the summer, and then moved here. Where was college? Uh, James Madison. Oh, James Madison. Okay. Yeah, yeah, in Harrisonburg, which is where I grew up. So around there, yeah. Cool. It always feels weird to wear the the headphones and when somebody else isn't. (laughs) So now that I know that we're recording, I'm just going to let that go. (laughs) (laughs) Good deal. Um... What did you go to school for? 
I started as an art major. Right, that um, art major. Yeah, yeah. painting focus. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had, you know, I had done theater in, in high school, and certainly, you know, my, my mom was an AP English teacher. Oh. Um, and so I grew up reading Shakespeare. Um, and in fact, as far as the theater that was available in that area, so I grew up in this little town called Stewart's Draft, Virginia, which is just outside of Stanton. Um, okay, yeah. Which is near Charlottesville, like, right. like in, you know, expanding circles as to who knows where it's from. But um, yeah, so I, I grew up, you know, seeing some theater, seeing Shakespeare and musicals primarily. Um, <laughs> and so I, I kind of thought that's all that theater was for a good oh. long time. Um, so I would, you know, I was acting in, in school plays and even doing some set design, mm-hmm. um, but always saw it as a, a bit of a side thing. Um, I thought I was going to be a painter, and I was really focused on that. And when I got to school, I, I just actually had this realization fairly recently that, you know, you get to, you do art growing up, and you're in classes both in high school but also like private classes and they're still like in a big room full of people Mm -hmm. and even though you're working on your individual project you're still like leaning over and being like what do you think about this and people are bouncing ideas off of one another and then you get to college and and they're like here's your studio and they like sort of push you in and shut the door um (laughs) and i realized that i actually don't work that well by myself even on individual projects uh and that i was missing that Collaboration. I didn't have this realization until like a year ago. Um, <laughs> at the time, I just thought I was burned out and bored of it. Um, so I actually, a friend of mine who lived in the dorm was telling me about their theater class, and I got into that and just uh, really fell in love, especially uh, getting to read new plays, mm-hmm. which is just something I had never done before. Uh, and And so I thought I would switch that over to you know, I thought it would, it would complement, like, I would, it would become a designer. Um, mm-hmm, and so mm-hmm. I was thinking about set design and lighting design. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then doing acting on the side just because, you know, I was a guy in a college. There and you so go. There yep. lots of roles <laughs> available. Um, and, and then that just eventually morphed into me trying directing, and, and that's where it really clicked for me. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, I actually found that I, I like rehearsing a lot better than performing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That part of the process is, is always really interesting to me because... I I tried to sneak my way into theater by I didn't I didn't know how to do it so I knew that I had lighting and I mm-hmm. could get a lighting internship and then mm-hmm. I got a job in lighting and I thought eventually that I would be able to just be by being inside right, the piece right. being able to transition hey you to you're interesting come over here <laughs> right which is uh, absolutely not how it works please don't take that I mean I'm, <laughs> I'm happy where I am but it's very indirect and it took me a while to get right, right. <laughs> but so the, the the rehearsal process itself is largely a mystery to me. Mm. Um, I've been—I was a production assistant on one show, mm. um, but it was—and it's a very interesting. It's just a very interesting energy and like the day-to-day of. It reminds me, like, in critical theory terms, it's a lot like the hermeneutic circle, right? Like you, yeah. you're going around and then you have to go around again. Yeah, just, yeah, yeah, for sure. And you're discovering different things. It's not actually repetition. It's very Kierkegaardian, right? Yeah, I think that's actually a better analogy. I feel like the, the go-to analogy is always sculpting. Um, uh-huh. And I guess depending on the medium, you know, so like stone sculpting, like, you know, you make a mistake and it's not about, you can't rebuild. But maybe <laughs> So maybe clay sculpting is a better analogy or a better metaphor. But yeah, I, I like that a lot better. I think that's actually more apt because it is about making a decision and going, 
and leaving that night being like, okay, let's let's sit on that for a little while. Mm-hmm. The things that it you know it becomes that little part of your brain in the back that you work on unconsciously, uh, yeah. and it, and it'll feel different the next day. So yeah, I, I like that. I like that metaphor. Plus, it I think it would just sound smarter if we use that as a metaphor. <laughs> Totally. Uh, that's why I bust out those words occasionally to yeah. justify the many years I oh, spent yeah. in school learning. This podcast just got really highbrow. This is great. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's it's it's. I have an interesting time with plays too, because a lot of times, you my first exposure to a play is often reading it. Mm-hmm. Um, especially if I'm working on it, like I, I, even as a lighting technician, I wanted to know what was going to happen. I wanted to understand the show. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, when I'm a board op, it, it you you could be you could just take dictation and just do what the lighting designer tells you to sure. do. But I found that if I understood the moment that they were working on, I could I was on the same page with the designers a lot. Mm-hmm. I was assisting them in their process a lot more by understanding what the room was doing, even though I'm not in the room. Yeah, yeah, for um, sure. So that's why I like to do that. But reading a play on the page almost never makes sense. Like I, I read Shakespeare and some of it clicks, but it mm-hmm. doesn't come alive until mm-hmm. there's a person mm-hmm. doing it. And sometimes just the choice of like which person is saying which line can dramatically impact what it means for you from that person like uh, we I, I've been reading I'm working at Ford's mm-hmm. there on the on Widow Lincoln right and uh, that's a brand new play and I was reading it and I had this very specific idea for no good reason of, of this character and then I saw who, who they had cast for her it's like oh wow that that character is completely different than yeah, I thought yeah. reading her so and that's and the part of it that comes alive in the rehearsal room is all about like getting it on its feet and really understanding the play because the play is spoken it's not written yeah and that and that how that context changes and Mm -hmm. i mean you know it's it's been said a thousand times but i think shakespeare is such a good example of that where he's writing so um musically and sonically Mm -hmm. and so you know jokes that are found in hearing them uh jokes that are found when uh you're playing sounds off of one another that don't really come across on the page Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, for sure. I think you know, there's such a there's such a trap. Um, a trap isn't the right word because it is good and bad. But um, there's so many different approaches to looking at a script and you know appreciating it from a literary standpoint. Which outside of classics and um, you know in Shakespeare, I think we have a little less of a tradition of now. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, I. hopefully I'm not sort of speaking out of turn but I think there's I I hear often of like you know hearing about this culture of in the 40s and 50s and 60s of people um, of magazines you know publishing scripts and people reading Tennessee Williams and Mm. Arthur Miller and Albie um, and I think we've lost that quite a bit like now scripts tend to be a little bit more of a um, uh, a map towards performance more than uh, is just strict reading material, um, but yeah, I think the, you know the approaches are so different, and I certainly, I now have difficulty reading a script without reading it as a director, mm. um, and I have to like retrain myself to just look at language and think about it almost as a dramaturg or an audience oh, yeah, member, yeah. because I immediately start jumping to how would I stage this, mm-hmm. what arrangement, what I want to put the seating in, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like reading them different ways, is, uh, it's like such a very conscious, like forced thing to do for me now. Yeah, because it's it does change your approach to the material when you're 
a dramaturg is a great example, like a dramaturg versus a director in a way, the choices that you make like in in your brain about how to relate to the piece are yeah. different. Like the dramaturg is a little bit more because it's about a, and we, it, people have talked about this in relation to new plays in particular like we should treat new plays the way that we treat Shakespeare mm-hmm, mm-hmm. in that we give the text credit mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. instead of being like oh this moment doesn't work. It's like no, let's understand this moment yeah. and, and you and you come at it from a way that's, that's uh, lets it breathe a little bit more and yeah, I completely agree with that. I think we we quickly jump to this is a new play. I'm going to go fix it. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, which I've always been uncomfortable with because I'm not a playwright, and so mm-hmm. um, I don't know if something's working or not working until we're up on our feet and we're playing with it. Um, and even then, I'm only going to be able to speak from my perspective. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, you know, I think that's I think that's really right, and I think that. Um, and I think the, the the opposite is true too. Like I think we also need to approach Shakespeare like a new play. Oh, I totally agree. Um, yeah, and yeah. stop thinking of it as a given masterpiece. Yes, and really absolutely. understand, like dig in and understand intent. Yeah, and I think that's yeah. what I mean by the sort of dramaturgical mm-hmm. read of a play of trying to understand what the playwright is trying to get across. Right, exactly. Like an almost like an editor. Like my yeah. uh, the voice here is the playwrights, and how do I enable the playwright mm-hmm. rather mm-hmm. than like yeah. Yeah. yeah, and that's been a big shift for me as a director, too. I think that, you know, the the work that really appealed to me, and you can actually look at this from the work that we produced at Forum, you know, for the first couple of years, they were certainly older plays. Mm-hmm. And, and that, for me, really came out of the idea of I, I had just never worked with playwrights, and playwrights scared me, honestly. <laughs> yeah. um, not that I thought they were intimidating people, but... Um, I just feel like I had no end to that process. Yeah, and, yeah. And, and so it really scared me, the, the concept of working on new plays. But, um, I was... I was always... Uh, I had this... This is a horrible saying, but, like, I was always more comfortable working on plays by playwrights who were dead or lived in Europe. <laughs> um, and part of that was just... Uh, not so much intimidation of them as individuals, but feeling inadequate as a young director. Oh, yeah, sure. And, yeah. and wanting to get it right, mm-hmm. um, whatever that means. Um, and I always had this fear of, of like putting up a work and a playwright being like, this is not at all what I intended. And so oh, I was yeah. like, let's go do those pieces that I can put my stamp on as a director, um, which is such a ridiculous thing. So that's, <laughs> that's been a big evolution for me of getting, pulling ego out of the project, mm, yeah. um, which, yeah, ego slash inadequacy, <laughs> or fear of inadequacy. <laughs> sure. That drives a lot of what I do in general. <laughs> I think it turns a lot of us in, in life, yeah. Um, so, I, I, out of curiosity, did you, I apologize for not knowing this in advance, did no, you direct no. um, How I Got On? No, I didn't. Okay. No. But I, I find that particularly interesting because I have a personal connection-ish to How I Got On. Mm. I, how We Got On, I believe, is actually the title. But, yeah, yeah. Um, I worked... The one year that I worked at Actors Theater of Louisville uh-huh. was the year that it was oh, a very part cool. of the Humana yeah, Festival. Yeah. So um, I know that, like the the. Did you see it at Humana? I did not. No. Because the uh, the stage manager who worked because they do it in they do like three shows in rep right, in that space, right. um, and the stage manager uh, covers a lot of them. Uh, his name is Brett, and he was he was just here for As You Like It. Oh, really? Um, I really. Oh, how how long does it run until? Uh, it's already closed. Tick. Yeah, it's already over. This is the worst. Like I, I picked up this gig at the at the Nutcracker so I could you know pay the bills and all that stuff. But I'm running the show, and I, the worst part about running a show is not being able to see yeah. the theater that yeah, I really yeah. want. It's like I've been dying to see that show because I couldn't see it while I was working there, and now ah, 
And we and we do like uh, four. I mean, counting previews, we only do four week runs, which is mm-hmm. sometimes so like tying your hands because like, yeah. you don't doesn't allow the show to really like build an audience over yeah. time. And yeah, the you know the downside of small theater. Right. Well, yeah, the economics of that are mm-hmm. are rough. Uh, Oh, man, there's so many things I want to talk to you about that opened up. Um, so, but so, why don't we talk about um, how you chose, like how we got on or whatever? Yeah. Um, because I feel like, and I, as as all of these protests have started to happen, Black Lives Matter and all mm-hmm. that, I actually wanted to talk with somebody about it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And um, between how we got on and the forum reacts that you guys just put on, yeah. Um, how? When did you make the choice to? do how we got on that must have been months and months ago yeah yeah it's I guess the best way to explain how we choose any project to be honest um, you know I mentioned that we had done mostly older plays and you know when we started it was we actually were called forum theater and dance um, so oh. we were doing some movement pieces as well oh. um, and it was all about taking work and finding work that sparked conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, I, when I moved to town, I remember there was, Peter Marx wrote an article about what it means to do political theater in D.C. Mm. And there was a little bit of a of a premise, and I, and I would hear this really often when I moved here, of this idea of we live in a town full of people who practice politics or do politics for a living. And so there was a, there was a fear that there's a fatigue of politics. Oh, yeah. Um, but I think the more I thought about that, I realized that all that means is partisan politics and talking about government, um, which I'm actually not all that interested in from right. a theater perspective. Right. Um, I mean, I'm, I, I'm obsessed with um, following politics. But, and so I was really, so what we've always been struggling to do is, is find a way to use art to lowercase politics yeah. mm-hmm. and talk about how we live, how we live with one another, how we interact right. with one another, right. uh, which is really at the heart of that. Um, and, and, you know, and to a certain degree, all theater does that, uh, but we wanted to make that the focus. And so for years, we were doing older plays mm-hmm. um, and doing uh, reinterpretations of older work. You know, our first show was an evening of Samuel Beckett short plays. Oh, okay. Um, and we did seven of them, wow. which was probably the most excruciating night of theater for anybody who was there. Um, and we heard that from people as well. Oh, yeah. um, it was a long night. Oh, oh my God, man. it was awful. But um, <laughs> but really exciting work. I loved the work, but yeah, it was yeah. a, it was yeah. a rough night. Um, and, we just, and then we started developing our open forum post-show discussion mm-hmm. um, series. And what we were finding in those discussions, and we were really interested in audience members talking to one another and oh, not okay. traditional talkbacks of... Yeah. Um, just you know, artists sitting on stage, audience staying in their seat, and that dynamic continuing. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, we were much more interested in audience members talking to one another and creating meaning together mm-hmm. and hearing what, uh, hearing responses to the work. So what we were finding with older plays is that people really just wanted to talk about artistic choices because they had seen Murat Saad before or they had right. seen the film um, or they had seen uh, several productions of Antigone, and so they really just wanted to talk about um, why did you do that there? Uh, and as an artist, that's super interesting, and I could talk about that all day long. Yeah. Uh, but I, I, I feel like that conversation is available in for many theaters and other sort of artistic disciplines. 
what I felt was missing was the deeper conversation about what the piece means to you and what it means to your yeah. community. When we did The Last Days of Judas Iscariot uh, by Stephen Aldegarius, that was the play, that was the first sort of like newish play that we were doing. And we found that plays that audience members didn't have a relationship to already, that conversation took off much easier, Mm -hmm. uh, much more easily. And so that became a switch for us of focusing more on new and newish, however you want to define that term. Um, because it was everyone was on the same page with how they were approaching the story, and yeah. that opened up the conversation. Um, you know, I have nothing against older work and nothing against classical work. I mean, uh, again, that's how I was raised. And um, but for the for our mission, that seemed to it seems to serve that mission much more. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I guess the the evolution of that over time. You know, now we're in our eleventh season we want to have constructive conversations and we want to make sure that they're not just conversations that are navel gazing and um, spinning around to one another and just only exist in that room and conversations that really mattered and to serve that it became really important that that we that we're making sure that we're really focused on bringing in a diversity of perspectives Mm -hmm. Um, and I mean diversity is such a buzzword and we can (laughs) sort of define that in so many different ways. Right. Um, but for me, it's about making sure that there's there's a lot of different approaches and a lot of different perspectives on the, the, the questions we want to ask and the conversations we want to have. Uh, so that meant really focusing on making sure we are um, making sure there's a diversity of uh, sort of cultures and race yeah. when it comes to our artists and our playwrights um, to uh, sort of class discussions and mm-hmm. uh, diversity of religion, um, diversity of age. Uh, and so really digging into that word and all that means so that we're developing a intercultural audience and not yeah. a multicultural audience. Yeah, that's a great way to put it. Um, an audience that will come to see work that may not be their perspective, but their own individual perspective will uh, add to that conversation. Um, and so, oh, come, this is a really long-winded way of answering totally your question, but a, I'm, I'm on topic, I promise. Question, no, so. no, 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 no. Um, so how we got on was, I had heard of the play, and, mm-hmm. and I didn't go to Humana that year. I've been a few times. Um, I, but I'd heard of it and was really interested in it. And it was a combination of Stephen Spotswood, who's in our ensemble, the playwright, and he saw it then, and it was uh, he had said it was his favorite piece that he saw. Mm. Um, and then hearing from other people uh, who I respect their opinions about work, and uh, accompanying one in Boston, um, uh, some folks there who I know had also mentioned the, the piece to me. Um, and so what it really appealed to me, both the from an aesthetic perspective I feel like in DC there, there's a there's certainly um, a hip hop theater culture, um, but as far as uh, I, I loathe to use this term, but like mainstream theater community, right, yeah. um, as far as the larger theaters, um, it, it was only really being approached in the in children's theater, um, oh. and you know Imagination Stage has produced a lot of work mm. by. Um, by Psalm and, and Paige Hernandez and some artists who I really love. Um, and so I really wanted to, uh, to approach that work for adults. Yeah. Um, I mean, and again, I say mainstream and I guess what I mean by that is that 
hip hop theater uh, is alive and well in DC, um, but I feel like it, it sort of is its own movement um, in and of itself, and I wanted to bring it into uh, what we were doing and mm-hmm. to our audience. Yeah, so I absolutely. think we're less um, we're less plugged into that. Um, so that really appealed to me um, from a generational standpoint. It was such a story of youth, yeah. um, while still you know being a story of youth, but still connecting to. Uh, it's a play about people who grew up in the 80s and so there's a, that generation shift as well as looking at um, how hip-hop culture and, and the music was different then than it is now um, and so it just I feel like it had so many possibilities yeah. to um, talk about uh, passion for art and, and, and passion for uh, uh, how to identify oneself in a way that I think speaks to everyone but from a very different perspective than I think a traditional white um, uh, audience is, is used to. Yeah, for sure, for sure. That's... <laughs> now I'm really bummed that I missed it. <laughs> <laughs> I hope it comes back around at some point again. Um, yeah, and w- what's fascinating to me about not that play in particular um, is that, I mean, as I'm, I am also a, a middle-class white guy who grew up in the 80s, um, and I only... It's funny, my my intro into hip-hop as a movement mm-hmm. and not as just something that happens on the radio is actually um, Dave Chappelle's Block Party. Mm-hmm. That, it's a fantastic documentary if you yeah, don't know yeah. it. Um, oh, I just, love it, yeah. Yeah, he, he throws that, that amazing concert in Bed-Stuy yeah. in Biggie's backyard, basically. And, they, um, they, and hearing a lot of those artists discuss their relationship to to art and to the choices that they're making and to each other as a community mm-hmm. and, and like listening to Dead Prez talk and Jill Scott and Erica Badu mm-hmm. and Questlove who is amazing <laughs> uh, it really blew wide open what I thought of as hip hop and I came mm-hmm. to understand the really strong activist political part of it that, that animated the little p political that like this is our daily lives and this is yeah. what we're talking about and this is the change that we want to affect and this is why we sing about this and this is why we sing about it this way. Yeah, yeah. And um, so, yeah, that and that play, by all accounts, touches on all of those. Yeah, for issues. sure. I think that you know, we there were some panel discussions in and around the production because there was also not enough lifetimes at the Welders. Yeah, that's right. And we that's we right. did a discussion with them at American University with some of the artists who work on that show, um, and it was really fascinating to talk to primarily freshmen and sophomores oh. who. You know, they have a, a certain perspective on what hip-hop is, and it's a very um, commercial version of right, it. I mean, yeah. hip-hop is very popular, and we see it um, we see it, and we, in, in, in everyday life, and we don't see it in ways that we actually yeah. don't even realize. I mean, uh, Paige pointed out to me, she was talking about how the logo for Subway Sandwiches is a direct pull from uh, graffiti style and tagging, oh. um, which I had just never connected oh, to. Yeah. And so just, like, digging into that and, and then going back and reminding ourselves both you know the roots of this culture um Mm -hmm. and and how it was used and how uh the style of and form of expression is different than sort of what we connect to from uh what we see and sort of what's what's on the radio and yeah. yeah yeah that's it's really interesting too because I didn't I didn't come to hip hop from the radio that was like when I would tune into radio which I don't anymore mm-hmm. um, I wouldn't have been listening to those stations either and a lot of people what's interesting to me too when I came when I came back around to like people even like Kanye and Jay-Z like now seeing it through the lens of the 
the activism behind mm-hmm, it. Like mm-hmm. Jay Z's Ninety Nine Problems is as much about police brutality as it is about <laughs> anything else, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and it's very personally politically motivated. It was popular, and people like you know the way things that happen through repetition, like some of that becomes whitewashed and it becomes an anthem, and people forget it. Sure. Um, but and I listen to like the Roots primarily and Common and those people mm-hmm. who don't get as much radio play, but who are amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I, like I said, I grew up in like rural Virginia, and um, you know, I grew up in a trailer park when I was a little kid, and we had a truck, <laughs> and you know, there was Tractor Day in my high school oh, and wow. things like that. Yeah, this. we had old time days. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I had, you know, there was a kid who lived down the street from me who was. Um, he was always making uh, copies of like LL Cool J <laughs> and Run DMC and Beastie Boys, um, which I would, you know, hide from my parents. <laughs> and, um, so that was certainly my end. But I, and then I think, you know, when you're homesick and you, all you do is watch MTV and uh, you know the late '80s, early '90s, and um, so yeah, I certainly listened to a lot of it. But it's, uh, I, th- I think, for most Americans, that's their end is hip hop music. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and then I, what I the other thing I really love about this play is it really plays on I mean I think Paige brings she's I mean she's a choreographer and an incredible choreographer and she brings such the sort of dance aesthetic to it and, and then the play talks so much about mixing and um, and tagging and so it was, it was great to um, we had to be careful that it wasn't just sort of this museum educational right, piece yeah, about yeah. Um, hip-hop culture <laughs> right, but, right. Um, uh, and really focusing on sort of what it means now and what it uh, yeah, yeah. What, what it speaks to about how we, I mean, this whole season that's our focus is how do we define ourselves and how do we redefine ourselves? Mm, how do yeah, we right. how do we look at what people see us as and how we how that's different or the same as how we see ourselves? Yeah, dance is that's an interesting point about the dance too because I I've never seen dance at all until I actually worked at Shakespeare. Mm. And they have that, that block early yeah, in the yeah. year where it's Velocity and the Dakshina mm-hmm. and the ballet comes in. And last year, I think, was it Dance Theater of Harlem? I, I can never remember. I think it's Dance Theater of Harlem, yeah, mm-hmm. is the name of the troupe. Right, right. And that was really interesting because the Harlem troupe is, is all black. Um, I, I, although I don't, know their, I don't know the variety of the ethnic descents, but like skin-wise, they were all mm-hmm. black. And they definitely brought a hip-hop aesthetic to ballet mm-hmm. but not in a way that makes it unrecognizably ballet sure, sure. and it's just stunning it's amazing mm-hmm. the the stories that you can tell with bodies in motion and they were so good at it yeah it's yeah. really refreshing to see that kind of like the technical brilliance of ballet brought to the stories of hip-hop it's really really good yeah i mean you know that's the the upside of the commercialism of hip hop is is that there's a recognition of craft mm. and that it's not seen as um, you know I think for so long it was dismissed certainly by white America and and seen as amateur but um, I, I I think you know there are how we got on and you know the way Goodwin writes you know it's it's as lyrical and sort of dense uh, sonically and and metaphorically as any Shakespeare. Mm. And so, I, yeah, I, I, that was something I really loved. Uh, that's an easy sort of leap to make, I think, with, you know, we like to compare everything to legitimacy means Shakespeare, but, <laughs> right, right. <laughs> um, but it really is. And, and I think that uh, that was something that really excites me about the work yeah. and, and showing what he's doing with wordplay uh, is something that a lot of, 
outside of classical we're not seeing the same sort of that 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 type of craft in a lot of writing so yeah it was really exciting that's the one of the many things that constantly draws me to hip-hop is the the mastery of language Mm -hmm. that's on display it's like (laughs) <laughs> and uh, the roots it's the one I, it's it all there is so much language and it's so dense it's very difficult for me to like pull it just like a lyric from a song mm. easily but there are things like um, black thought drops and stuff like um, like a child with an upright bass I can't stand it mm. and like uh, that's all from that album and yeah, yeah. It's, it's a shame that I can't pull up a great example of it but yeah the the it is it is poetry it is absolutely yeah. masterful poetry it's 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 a delight to to listen to and be overwhelmed by yeah yeah and it you know it just it carries meaning and um and we hear it differently and it, it hits our our ears then hits our minds um differently and, and and again that's that's really our approach of just finding different perspectives to these conversations so yeah. that uh there's a really rich understanding of, of who we are there was a real. There was a recent concert. Um, it wasn't the concert for Valor. It was another one. Maybe it was at the Kennedy Center. Uh, I can't remember. It was definitely around Veterans Day, and it mm-hmm. was a White House event, and Obama was there, mm-hmm. and they had a bunch of artists. And my grandmother walked. It was on PBS, I believe, and that's why my grandma <laughs> was watching it. That's <laughs> that's how she came to it. And you, it's so funny because Common did a spoken word piece. Uh-huh. And after the show was over, <laughs> that was the piece that my grandmother liked the most. Huh. She's like, that common guy, he was really good. <laughs> <laughs> nice. She's like 82, 81. She, <laughs> it's like common. Her really intro good. to hip-hop, there it was. <laughs> it was awesome. I was like, yes, that's, that's the way in. That's, that's a good way in. Um, and one of, the, one of the albums that she bought recently, actually... <laughs> She was just blown away. I was like, you know, Lady Gaga can really sing. Like, how do? <laughs> yes, she can. But how do you know that? Well, now doesn't she have an album with Tony? Bennett? That's how she knew yeah, it. Yeah, she's like, know. I love Tony Bennett. So she just listened to her. She's like, she can really sing. Bridging generations. <laughs> it's amazing. Ah <laughs> oh, man, that was so great. So, <laughs> um, was was Goodwin able to? How do you say his first name? Idris or uh, Idris? Yeah. yeah. Was he able to... No, he wasn't, unfortunately. Because he teaches at the University of Iowa or something like that? Yeah, yes. That's the bio I'm remembering from like four years ago. Yeah, and I know he's in Colorado, but yeah. uh, It's horrible. uh, (laughs) That's a bummer, though, but it would have been cool uh, for him to be in town for that. But um, when did you... To to move on to the reacts, because Mm -hmm. I think think that addresses sort of your goal of of inter community conversation mm. intercultural conversation um that i wasn't able to go to that either which is but i saw all the pictures on twitter and stuff. <laughs> um when did that come about how did you guys um arrange for that yeah we started we started reacts about four years ago and the idea was to create a, a way of immediate response to things that are happening in the world and using theater for that yeah. you know we theater development is well a playwright will work on a script for a year or more and then it gets programmed a year or two years in advance um and so sometimes it's pure luck when a play totally coincides with a very current event you know i think that all the best plays have relevancy no matter what um but but we were really interested in using you know not just conversations around things that are happening which i think are important but i think 
what we have discovered is a, a tool for that, a tool for getting people to really open up and allow themselves to be vulnerable and to open their hearts and you know split their ribs a little bit uh, for a real meaningful conversation. I think theater and art and performance has a way of doing that, that just coming to a town hall won't. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just going to be less productive. And so we, we created this program to take these topics and then essentially the format is we'll choose you know seven, eight, nine artists, um, usually from a range of disciplines. So there's usually only two or three traditional theater artists mm-hmm. or playwrights per piece, but bringing in dance, bringing in poetry, video, um, audio journalism, um, and giving them a prompt. Um, and sometimes that changes. We've done some where we've given them a piece of journalism and asked them to not adapt that, but use that as a starting point uh, to talk about a larger theme, uh, to giving them just a phrase or a song. It, it sort of changes each one. And we've gone back and forth on, you know, sometimes we've done reacts that are very connected to the next show we're doing oh, right. in our mm-hmm. regular season um, as a way to delve into that topic differently. Um, but a few times we've also tried to just jump on the zeitgeist of what's happening yeah. right now. And that's, so we had, we had planned to do a reacts. Um, actually, it was scheduled to be next Monday. Um, and we were going to do it in Connected with Tea Party, um, mm, which right. is our next show. And, and we still may do one in and around sort of the themes and, and topics in Tea Party. But I was just sitting on... I found myself completely obsessed with reading everyone's responses on Facebook. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, I, you know, it was the, it was the night that, where they had announced, um, you know, that they were not going to indict yeah. uh, the police around Eric Gardner. Yeah, Pantaleo or whatever. Yeah, and, and then what was happening in Ferguson. And it was fascinating to me that, and horrific, but that it was the only thing people were talking yeah. about. And it just sort of hit me in that moment that this is clearly the thing that's on people's mind um, and that we have found that Reacts has become such a great outlet for people to come and sort of share what they're talking about, but be in a, in a, in a communal space mm-hmm. um, to, to do that and for, you know, for that to not always be comfortable. Um, yeah. You know, there there might be some different uh, opinions on things. Um, and so we switched it up. And so that was about, you know, a little over two weeks ago. Uh, and we did, th- we did it last night. Um, and it was a shorter process than we're used to. We typically go f- four to five weeks um, okay. for the buildup for a, a typical reacts. Uh, and so this one was a little bit of a scramble to pull together, but... Obviously, it was so driven by, you know, as soon as we said it, it was this sort of sense of purpose, and it really uh, drove the process from there on, um, because I think everyone was so, you know, I know sitting around the office, so many of us were talking about the idea, we didn't know how to talk about it, we didn't, we wanted to talk about it, we wanted a place to do that, um, and, and we wanted to know what to do with those feelings, and so that became a real theme for making sure that the event would be you know, act one would be sort of these pieces that we had uh, asked people to present, and then act two would be the discussion, and that the, the night should flow from being a, uh, a venting, uh, a, a place for expression, um, 
a place to for the audience to respond to what they were seeing on stage and then for that to turn towards now what do we do with that um, yeah. uh, what are the steps that we can take to move on from not move on but to yeah. to, to move forward yeah um, and to make sure that we were using these events to, to be progressive and to really think about the change that we can make on an individual level and in our local and national community yeah I, that's my experience was the same. Uh, I was on Twitter. I'm on Twitter kind of all the time, but mm. especially when I'm running shows. <laughs> um, the Nutcracker is beautiful, but I've seen it. Uh, <laughs> uh, and it was uh, just a revelation, and it was amazing um, to watch the Twitter community, and my Twitter community shifted itself as I was... It just became like that's so important to say that's so important mm-hmm. to say I was just retweeting everybody and following a bunch of new people and finding new voices that I hadn't heard before and it was amazing the response it's so I was really bummed I couldn't go to the reacts because that's exactly the kind of forum that I would like to just help process it with it because I by myself on Twitter it's great to be in the flow of that but yeah. definitely want to be with because the change itself is going to come from the way that people start to connect it to their own lives mm-hmm, and to, mm-hmm. to let it affect their behavior. And that comes from conversations. Yeah, there's just something that, I mean, you know, social media is uh, such an, a, an amazing place for um, venting, um, you know, both good and bad, but, you know, it, um, and, and hearing, um, and, and hearing what people are talking about and, you know, sharing articles. Um, and so I think, I think being in a theater is just a different it's a different conversation and it's a different feeling and there is something that's um that's that's different about being in a room with one another and seeing one another listening um but also responding to and hearing um these pieces that were created by just an incredible group of artists um that gets our brain working a little bit differently um that's just really exciting you know there's such a there are things like reacts all over the country. I, I know Victory Garden in Chicago, they're doing a, a piece similar, you know, on this, obviously on this topic, uh, I think on Thursday of this week. Um, but there's, there's such a culture of this. There was a, the Living Newspaper Movement, which was a oh. New Works project in the 30s. And that was a playwrights writing adaptations and sort of dramatizations of newspaper articles and people getting together and that was a way of it was like a theater version of a newsreel interesting um, which really fascinated me Um, and so there's you know this is by no means a new idea Mm -hmm. Um, but I you know when we do reacts it's some of the it's some of my favorite work that we do and I think uh, it's a it's a different feeling uh, than a full production, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. and so it just, it gives us such a nice variety way of of approaching these things. Definitely, that's when people sort of wring their hands over the future of theater and like should we should we be streaming national theater presentations or like great things that are happening at Lincoln Center or whatever? Mm-hmm. I and they wonder about the future of theater. I always come back to that. There's one thing that theater has that will never go away in and which is even more precious in this as much as I love Twitter and the digital mm-hmm, social media mm-hmm. world and that is presence in a room mm-hmm. together you the immediacy of that is impossible to fake digitally or even to it's just not the same even even movies as mass produced as they are and yeah. as a way of connecting to a bunch of people like being in the room with the people 
theater is never going to go away because that's that is such a profound thing when it when it connects with people. Yeah, and I'm super excited about the way that sort of they complement each other too. Yeah. I mean, you know, what's so great about getting people in a room together is that the conversation's already started, so we're able to jump in and build on that. Um, you know, we don't have to spend time sort of getting everybody on the same page, right? right. Because, right. Um, it's you know, social media has given us a way of being very plugged in to not only uh, mainstream media and what that's sort of feeding us, um, which is obviously problematic to getting, you know, getting only one sort of feed of, I only watch this news channel right. or whatever. You know, it gives us such a variety of perspectives yeah. and, and ties us into what other people are thinking um, that I think it's allowing things to um, not just move faster, but um, it really deepens the, mm-hmm. the conversation. Um, and so, yeah, I don't think it's one thing or another. I think it's right. uh, that's something I really love that, you know, and something I love about creating work in D.C. is, like, it's such a clued-in, smart audience. Um, and so they're ready to, you know, the conversation's already started, and we're ready to, like, jump in and keep moving forward. Right. And so, yeah, there's something I really love about it. I think that's a really perfect segue to start talking about uh, walking the city of silence and stuff yeah, yeah. because that is a, one way to that you guys are attempting to bring all of these elements together. Mm-hmm. Um, I love I, I love it. <laughs> uh, full disclosure, hashtag full disclosure. I'm <laughs> already in the bag be. for the idea. I am um, so a couple years ago I was bumming around Europe trying to find myself, as it were, <laughs> you know, as you do. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Um, I was, but I was on a budget, so what I ended up doing, I just sold my car, moved, was about to move from Houston to New York to try my ill-fated attempt to become a director that way. <laughs> um, and to save money, I just started walking like, mm-hmm. everywhere and the whole day. And then I would discover that I had walked eight to ten miles a day across mm-hmm, mm-hmm. across these cities. And I have a particular affection for the city of Berlin because... Uh, I have German studies and right. I read it and the Germans have, as a culture and a government have a way of inscribing history into a landscape either either like literally carving it in hmm. or preserving what was a shattering shell shock of an event uh, codifying in some other way and they're extremely good at it so walking a German city like Munich or Berlin or Köln or any of those places is just if you're open to it and you and you can read it. It is a fascinating experience, and there, for me, like it, you use the subway when you don't have when you don't want to care. But if you're just going to visit, like just by all means, just go to one place and walk as much yeah. as you can. And then when I got to New York, I don't have a car. Uh, walking was everything again. And so after that, I just I like two or three miles a day, no problem. Like I I park myself somewhere and I spend the rest of the day walking around mm. it, and then. To hear, because Gwydion brought it up the first time. I, I'd seen it a little bit because I was following it on Twitter, but mm-hmm. Gwydion talked about it. The initial idea was like, uh, not the initial idea, but there was a, a earlier iteration of the concept where playwrights were handed Walk in a Cardinal Direction from Woolley. Yeah. And uh, it was part of the National New Play Network that's showcase. Right. That's right. Yeah, a yeah. couple years ago. Uh, and I've walked these streets a lot. <laughs> I worked in Shakespeare right. and I walk, like, I've walked four miles in pretty much every direction uh so when someone was talking about a playwright like a, a series of playwrights or i love the idea of a series of playwrights i'd love to i yeah. i'd have to get to, back to that work but when talking about listening to a podcast which i do all the time 
but walking the place that the podcast is talking about mm-hmm, mm-hmm. in is just immediately flicked a switch in my brain. I was like, yes, yeah, we should be doing more of this. <laughs> so and so basically, I'd love to talk about it a little bit. It, did it come directly out of that? Yeah, Steve idea? wrote. He, he wrote one of the cardinal directions. Okay, yeah. um, I'm pretty sure it was South was his. Um, and so he got to, yeah, yeah, because he got to walk on the mall. Okay, right, um, yeah, yeah. So, you know, heading south on, on 7th Street. Mm-hmm. And and so that was his sort of way into that idea. And so he approached me um, that he wanted to keep working that way and wanted to, to try it on a much larger scale. Uh, I, I, I said yes after five minutes. Like, it was super <laughs> exciting to me. Um, I mean... It, in part just because I love Steve and I love his writing um, and so I was just ready for another project that he was going to pitch um, and so yeah th- that was de- certainly his inspiration um, but the idea was to you know make it much more sprawling it's nine parts and the thing that really appealed to me and I think to him was this idea of creating work that made you see things differently um and so there are certainly familiar places um you know i think i don't want to give away spoilers but like you know each episode goes to a different location and some of them are places that i'd never been before and Mm. i think listeners may not have gone to Mm -hmm. before some of them are super familiar like the mall or riding the metro um and so this idea of can we add something to the the fabric of what it means to be in that neighborhood that Sure, it's fiction, but it just adds like another little degree of understanding um, that, you know, I feel, I, mean, I think of the first episode on the Metro, like I think of it, I've been thinking about it for months ever since I, I listened to it on the Metro, an early draft of it, yeah. uh, and it changes the way I think about that and, you know, those images of um, going into the tunnels and what that means and how that feels. Um, and so... You know, I've heard some rough cuts of the next couple of episodes, and I've certainly read uh, the script and got to listen to some of the recording, and and I think it's going to do that in, in very interesting ways for the whole um, the whole series. And then there's also, you know, as the play goes on, Steve starts mixing in some history of DC. Oh, okay. Um, and that weaves its way into the piece, uh, and so thinking of that differently. And so yeah, that was what really excited me was how do we take this city that we live in and and find a new connection to it. Um, I think you can certainly listen to it from home or listen to it in your car, uh, but I really, really love the, the, the idea of being in the space and, and what that does to, you know, it, it essentially allows us to create the largest budget theater production in D.C., <laughs> right? Because right? right. we, yeah. we get to use the National Monument well. <laughs> as a set piece and we get to use the entire mall or we get to use... Um, I have to be careful. I don't want to give away the next right, locations. Yeah, yeah, saying, but, we've definitely um, gotten to episode two, including the mall. Um, yeah, yeah. Which was, because I passed that, the, the episode starts with talking about what you should start either either, either end of the mall, either with the Vietnam Memorial or mm-hmm. the Sculpture Garden on 7th and Constitution. And I had certainly passed that Sculpture Garden many times, but I had never actually just taken the time mm-hmm. to go in and take a look at what, what's happening. I love modern art. Um, and the sculpture there, by the way, is, is awesome. It's totally yeah. worth yeah, yeah. going and spending some time and looking at it, including that weird spider sculpture that you guys <laughs> yep, said. Yep. It's a really intense piece. Yeah, we should really get sponsored by like tourism board or something. I think we're, like, <laughs> totally. we're, ta- oh we're taking people into these locations that they've, they've never been to before, yeah, apparently. Yeah, it's great. So, yeah. I, I love it. And it, because it, it, it doesn't just invite, it, it, it commands you yeah. 
look at this differently. Pause. I'll wait. Do yeah, this. Take yeah. the time. Because, like, the episode is only 20 minutes long, so you can blow through it. Or, if you're on the mall, like, you know, let the atmosphere soak in and then continue. And, like, so I was making sure that I was walking on the mall in the direction of the monument when the, when the interview talks about I walk toward the monument every day. Yeah. <laughs> it's like a, it, it becomes this very, like, conscious way of moving about the yeah. city, um, which, you know, is... It's bringing the experience of being in theater outdoors. Um, you yeah. know, that's what that's what sitting in a play does, right? Like it, it, it forces you to breathe and sort of open up. Um, and so I love that this does this on uh, in these areas that you know we turn our brains off. I mean, I listen to podcasts, but I'm like I start focusing on that. I'm not thinking about riding the train um, right. or or walking uh, to work. Um, and I think this this brings that that sense um but you know outside of the theater and it doesn't have to be a thursday night at eight o'clock right know, yeah put yeah. it in wherever you want into your daily life um uh yeah and, and i think that also opens up to um maybe people who um dare i say it don't like going to the theater um, <laughs> right. or can't afford it or you know for whatever for whatever reason they're uh, they have a you know, distaste of going into that space and you know I think we all have to admit that there are those people um, sure yeah absolutely and, um, <laughs> and so I, I like that this sort of allows us to maybe reach uh, those people as well yeah, and, and really open up the possibilities of what theater can be absolutely I, um, two, that, that spurs me on to two things um, one was that Gwitty and I talked a, a little bit about this and the, the impetus for me starting a podcast uh, mm. uh, yeah, other than just like listening to a bunch of podcasts and being surrounded by interesting people who I wasn't hearing on podcasts, mm. um, I was thinking about what theaters could do because I was trying to pitch it to the marketing department, which I had, I did, but they, um, you know, Shakespeare Theater's marketing department has a bunch of other issues to deal with without tackling something that they've <laughs> never done before. Um, so I don't blame them for that or anything like that because it's a, it, hugely ambitious ideas, but they're by recording audio and video and little snippets and pe- having conversations with people and writing little radio plays or even big radio plays mm-hmm. or doing enactments of Shakespeare in recording, you, you have a way of expanding the definition of theaters, expanding oh, yeah. your creative ability. You, you, it's like the economic model is probably the metaphor is probably the best one. Like it's fallow capital. It's capital that is doing nothing. You have all this capital invested in being creative mm-hmm. and there's mm-hmm. so much dead time. Why not turn that into, and you already have all of the studio recording equipment anyway, because that's yeah. just what sound does every show. Yeah. And in between shows, I'll put that to good use. Like, yeah. And, come and to access people, to like are. the yeah. most incredible performers. Right. Know. Totally. Yeah. I, we get so, we get so siloed in wanting to make these sort of like precious experiences of, you know, come to the theater at this specific time. And, you know, I think for some, there's a, there's certainly a, uh, a perception that we have to dress a certain way right. when we go to the theater. Um, and, you know, and there's a time and place for that. I mean, I love the, um, I do respond to the, the, uh, Oh, what do I want to say? The um, the ritual, mm, right? Um, yeah, uh-huh. you know, theater has become that for me, and I, and I love that. But it it's not what I need all the time, yeah. And and it's not what our audiences and potential audiences need all of the time. Um, you know, there's a time and place for that. But yeah, I I really want to see us th- finding more ways to open. I mean, you know, what you were just saying about creativity, like we are a field who pride ourselves on being incredibly creative and yet the ways that we approach 
business models and <laughs> marketing is so antiquated sometimes. <laughs> it so is. Um, it's really frustrating and I'm just as guilty of it as anyone. Um, and so th- th- this really excites me for that reason because I think that this is just the scratching of the surface of what we can do and ways we can expand the experience yeah. of of, um, of bringing storytelling and, and theater and communal experiences um, in different ways and really opening that up and making sure that you know, there, it's such a constant about theaters dying and whatnot, and sometimes I get tired of hearing that, but I do think that any art form has to fight for its existence mm-hmm. um, because that's how it stays relevant. Um, and that struggle and that fight is a good thing because it pushes us. I mean, artists are responders. Um, we, we respond to what's happening around us, and if we start sitting back and and recycling what it is, and I don't mean in the plays we choose, because uh, like I said, there's hyper relevancy in the work of Shakespeare and 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 the Greek plays, um, but the approaches are really important to make sure that we're always on our toes and thinking about and fighting for our survival, fighting yeah. for our relevancy and our place in this society. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, did you? Uh did you manage to catch the tiny house plays? I did, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's, oh, those were so another, great. I so love that great. little bit of variety in there, too. Yeah, and I had, you know, and similar to what the podcast plays, like I had read an article about that community and kept meaning to, like, I was one day I'm going to drive past that. Yeah. That's just really fascinating. And, um, there was a documentary on Netflix I watched a half hour of. Oh, um, that's right. I totally forgot about yeah, that. Yeah, and there's, like, a reality show now, too, what? right? What? Yeah, like the tiny... Oh, tiny houses, or maybe that's even the name of it. But, um, but then you go to that play, and it makes you think of that space differently, and, and think of spaces differently. And yeah. yeah, I really, really love that. And I, I hope that this is the, the beginning of a real movement. I mean, um, from every approach. I mean, the the uh, Prudentia Heart piece that Shakespeare did. Oh, a that was such a cool idea. Was yeah. my favorite show of that year, oh, yeah. hands down. And those people are the National Theatre of Scotland. Those people are awesome. Yeah, yeah, incredible, incredible. And yeah. and that work was just amazing. And again, it was, that's a uh, a a. a a bar and restaurant establishment that I had been to before and um, had spent some time at. Um, but, you know, now I think of it differently. And it was like it's such a cool experience. Yeah. And it was a place that, you know, it was a room that was familiar mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. to me. I remember, you know, it was a place that you bring tourists and, or, you know, family and friends from out of town. It's just a cool place to visit. Um, and so it made me think of that place differently. And I, I really, really love that. I yeah. I hope this this kicks off a real movement of, of, of approaches to yeah. theater. Yeah, yeah. I love it. When you listen to like the comedian podcast, like Nerdist and others, mm-hmm. when they're talking about that movement, I, it strikes me that that similar. There's a real potential in the theater world for that kind of entrepreneurial. I mean, it's a business word, but the the idea, an explosion of different approaches was people finally reached the point where like you know what I'm just going to do it yeah I'm not gonna wait for anybody's permission I this is this is a great idea I'm just gonna rough and ready it we're not gonna go through the pipeline yeah. that pipeline exists it's great it, you can do great things through it but there's also something else and yeah. this is how I want to try it and it's it's great to see some of that fruit starting to be yeah spread. I mean we're a theater is a medium of I mean the word theatricality, you know, it's it's finding metaphor and finding abstraction um, and using different tools to do that that's not reality. Um, and so we're, we're super primed and apt for finding experiences everywhere and finding approaches 
um, yeah, and it's high time we start exploring that more. We are, I believe, let me check the time. We are at our hour. Oh so, my goodness. Uh, that, and that's a, wow. that to me is a really great way to end it. Uh, I'd love, uh, we didn't touch on the, the pay what you can stuff, but I would really, <laughs> <laughs> speaking of business models, love I could talk about it. that for another hour. Yeah, yeah exactly. That's why we'll, I'm sure we'll meet again, uh, <laughs> hopefully under these same circumstances. Yeah, I love that. Maybe not in Woolly, but um, because, not that Woolly wasn't very welcoming to us. <laughs> Their lobby <laughs> is a wonderful place to be. You should come check it out. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, hopefully, I probably won't be able to because of famous puppet death scenes seems like a, it's you had me at the title so yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i'm really excited about seeing it i would really love to see i have not seen anything here in this space but I, and i will will see something for yeah, the near you, future both so. i mean i i love this bit i might happen to be i actually like to hang out in the lobby here and do some work and you know it's quiet and there's wi-fi and it's as good <laughs> as any coffee shop um but i i love this building and i I love the work this theater does too, but it, just the way this building works and the way audience interacts with it is really exciting. So yeah, I encourage anybody to come check it out, both yeah. to see a show, but also just to come hang out here. I think, I think they're more than welcoming to that idea. Yeah. Do you have anything for Forum or, or any projects that you want to you wanna get people yeah. to probably come out in early January? Well, that's perfect, yeah. January 2nd through the 17th, 18th, <laughs> whatever that Saturday is, the 17th, I think, um, is the Tea Party. Oh, um, yeah. uh, and that's uh, the T, the letter, uh, not T-E-A, um, though it is really exciting to uh, think of people mistaking it for something else and coming <laughs> to the show and thinking it's about either an historical event or a, or a, a contemporary political movement. <laughs> um, but it's uh, by Natsu Onoda Power. We did a, a, a workshop piece of it um, two years ago, um, and so this is sort of the full production run. All right. Um, and it's a work about... Uh, gender fluidity and gender identification and um, most of the pieces are uh, adapted from interviews and stories from people from the transgender community and people from um, sort of all walks of life in DC and really thinking about gender Um, and it is uh, as sort of heady of a topic as that could be um, it's an absolute riot and it's like it, it is I mean, it's a party um you know the, it's an apt title it's, it's just a big old party there's dancing there's singing uh both from the audience and from the uh the performers um and so that yeah that runs from uh january 2nd until the 17th um and i just it's one of my favorite things that we've ever produced and i i there was no question that we were going to find a way to fully produce it and and really open it up to because i think it it is such a different and fresh approach to some of these topics um, that I, I just I really love it. And I can't recommend it highly enough. Cool. Definitely check that out. Yeah. All right. Thanks. Awesome. Thank you. <laughs> this is great. <laughs>